Hello, and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre, and I'm Pharma Forum's creative and editorial director. For episode 30, I spoke with Dr. Ashton Harper, who's head of medical affairs in the UK and Ireland at Roche Diagnostics, about the pressure COVID has put on healthcare systems and how pharma can help alleviate that. We looked at how Roche is involved in helping tackle the pandemic and the place of testing in global responses to COVID. Dr. Harper also gave an overview of the different types of COVID tests that are currently available and where quantitative antibody testing features within this. It's one of the areas Roche is working on. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast and information about other instalments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. So Ashton, I'd like to start off perhaps with uh, asking you to give a quick introduction to yourself and your role at Roche. Yes, of course. Uh, well, thanks, Dominic, for having me on. Um, so my name is Ashton Harper. I'm currently the head of medical affairs at Roche Diagnostics UK. Uh, and I, I manage a team that look after clinical trials uh, within the UK using our uh, diagnostic technologies in a range of therapeutic areas, including oncology, uh, cardiology, critical care, women's health, neurology, and infectious diseases. Um, for, for, for those listeners who don't know about medical affairs, really, these are teams within pharmaceutical diagnostic companies um, that, that really are responsible for, um, above other things, managing clinical data generation and then communication of that. Uh, to healthcare practitioners with the aim of continually enhancing uh, the care of patients. And before joining Roche uh, last year, uh, I had been working in medical affairs for five years, uh, and before that worked in the NHS as a doctor before specialising in gastrointestinal surgery. And as you say, as a, as a former NHS doctor, of course, your, your current company, Roche, is quite heavily involved in um, the, the, the current fight against um, COVID-19. Um, what's your take on um, the effect that the pandemic has had on healthcare systems in general? What the, the kind of pressures that it's, it's put them under? Well, I, I can only imagine the pressure uh, NHS staff are under at the moment. Um, I mean, I, I know from experience how stressful and draining uh, some days can be working on the front line of the NHS. And, um, you know, from, from my previous experience, what was good is that these days never sort of stretched on indefinitely. Uh, but now with COVID, it seems that there's little respite. And the majority of my friends are still working uh, in the NHS up and down the country. And, you know, whether I'm speaking to people from uh, Manchester, the Midlands, London or Brighton, you know, the picture is is the same. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty bleak, really. Um, I think, you know, there's staff shortages, lots of staff going off, um, quarantining with COVID themselves. Um, you know, a lot of people having to work um, very long shifts and the, the, the emotional burden of, of you know, frequent deaths uh, claimed um, by, by, uh, by COVID um, you know, can't be underestimated. So I, I think there's a, a huge impact this is having on NHS staff. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if people are going to have sort of PTSD um, following this. So um, and, and we were seeing reports in the, in the news at the moment that um, although rates seem to be falling, um, clearly, that there's still a, a huge impact, a growing impact, uh, it, particularly for critical care services. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, putting the NHS under incredible strain. And what would you say is the role of the uh, the pharmaceutical industry? How can the sector, do you think, help alleviate some of these pressures that, that healthcare systems like the NHS have been, been put under? 
Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's many ways in which pharma can help uh, to alleviate these pressures. Um, you know, I, I suppose if we think about it, um, you've got obviously vaccines. It's it's great to have these these vaccines now available, um, and it provides a, a light at the end of the tunnel. We also have um, you know, medicines as well that have been have been tested in trials, such as you know antivirals like remdesivir um, or monoclonal antibodies, uh, and, and then also vitally important are diagnostic tests. Um, so you know, uh, although it's great that we've got these vaccines now. Um, we're clearly not um, fully there yet, and you know we still need to be um, vaccinating you know a considerable uh, greater proportion of the population than we have achieved yet. I mean, we've done some great things so far, um, but it really needs to be rolled out to um, estimates suggesting you know more than eighty percent of the uh, of the population needs to be uh, vaccinated to get the R number uh, under one. And I think you know in, until we do that. Diagnostics play a, a really vital role uh, in identifying infectious cases uh, and effective, you know, so that we can effectively isolate those individuals, uh, quarantine them, and, and break lines of transmission. And similarly, um, with the, the rollout of vaccines, we need to we need to know how effective those vaccines have been. So whether our immune systems have responded to those vaccines. Um, and again, that's where diagnostics uh, uh, plays a, a really important role. And so within that, uh, I'd, I'd be very interested in hearing about how your own company is involved. What, what's Roche doing to, to help tackle the, uh, the pandemic? When, when did it start focusing on that? Well, Roche has been involved since the beginning of the crisis in the UK. Um, I mean, as soon as we heard about the pandemic, our team has set about analysing the genetic sequence of SARS-CoV-2. Um, and within less than a month, uh, we created and validated a new diagnostic test that could detect the virus. And when you consider that, that the process like that usually takes about two years from start to finish. So the sheer pace of progress um, is, is astonishing. Um, and we, we did this quickly because we knew that before um, you know, mass vaccination was, was a possibility um, and, and natural immunity um, would obviously take a long time to, to happen. Um, the only way of suppressing this virus would be to identify those that are affected um, and isolate them and, and trace their contacts. Um, but since, since that initial test, we've uh, been developing more and more, um, and we've we've added to a substantial portfolio um, that also looks at other things like um, uh, uh, COVID antigens as well. Um, and so we have rapid tests for that, uh, but also antibody tests, uh, which can tell you whether you've you've been infected previously and you've mounted an immune response. And so, of course, right, right. I, I guess there's a, an awful lot of focus on uh, vaccines and. The hope, albeit maybe a slightly longer term hope, that that they will um, help um, uh, bring about a, a, an end to to the pandemic. But when we when we look at um, the role for testing for uh, COVID, how important do you think that is now, and how important will it continue to be in the in, in the future? Well, you know, I, I think um, testing is 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 incredibly important. Um, before the vaccines were here, as I said, you know, the only way of of really being able to bring the R value below one and 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 stop the the dramatic increase in in infections be to identify those who are infected, and and to be able to isolate them and quarantine them and break those lines of transmission. So that was really important at the start, and that actually continues to be really important. Um, you know, if we, if we look at cases or countries where. Um, the infections were brought, brought under very strict control very quickly, you know, such as Australia. Um, I mean, I, th I think since the end of September last year, they had virtually eliminated uh, most cases. And if you look at what they did, I mean, they did a number of, of things such as uh, early closure of borders, 
um, and and you know restricting civil liberties, but they also quickly and aggressively test, traced, and isolated cases. Um, and I, I think that's that's really central to to the control that the, the really excellent control they got over COVID. Um, and then you sort of fast forward to um, a, a case from Europe recently. So um, you know in Slovakia. Um, you know, in, in October, November time, they, they were the first country in, in Europe to um, to conduct whole population mass screening. Um, and through that process, they identified more than 50,000 cases that wouldn't otherwise have been identified. Um, and they, they showed that, you know, there's other measures as well, again, restricting civil liberties, but they were able to reduce um, the prevalence of infections by an estimate uh, estimation of about 60 to 70%. So I think that really shows how important um, testing uh, can, can be. And, uh, you know, talking about the future, uh, as the rollout of vaccines continues, uh, we're going to need to know whether these have been effective. Um, and so we need to have some idea of, of the immune system's response to these. Um, and we know from trials that, um, you know, vaccines, like like all medications, that they're not 100% effective. So, you know, some people, hopefully most people, are going to mount an immune response that is going to protect them from subsequent uh, infection uh, or from reinfections. However, we, we need to have some way of, of detecting this. And I think this is going to be the really, really important role for diagnostics moving forward to be able to, 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 to um, identify whether these vaccines have been effective or not. And so if we look at the different types of uh, COVID tests that are currently available and that seem to, certainly from an outsider's point of view, it seems to be a few trade-offs in terms of whether you're looking for um, the highest possible accuracy versus the highest possible speed and, and um, getting getting uh, uh, answers back. But could you give us a little bit of an overview maybe about the different types of COVID tests that are available? Uh, so um, Roche has developed you know, a, a range of different um, tests for, for COVID and I would categorise these into tests that identify uh, the presence of the virus uh, those that identify the immune system's response to the virus, and those that are that are not specifically about COVID, but give us a picture of the severity of disease. So, um, for instance, is IL-6. Um, so, um, for the tests that are identifying whether the virus is there, we have um, PCR testing, and this is a, a test to identify um, basically the, the the genetic material of COVID-19. Um, and so, the PCR tests are incredibly sensitive. Um, they can identify very, very minute amounts of, of viral um, RNA uh, in the system. And um, but these these may take you know up to uh, a day or two to, to get results. And these are conducted by um, high tech machines uh, inside uh, of hospitals. So um, it's it's not um, uh, it, it's not as quick um, a, a, an option. So um, what we've also then developed are more rapid turnaround tests. So um, things that are called lateral flow devices, and these um, work in a slightly different way, but they they pick up. Um, uh, antigens. So this is uh, viral proteins rather than genetic material. And these tests can um, be conducted uh, in the community um, and they don't have to have these large um, uh, hospital-based machines and they give a very quick turnaround of 15 to 30 minutes. So what they, they, they still require to have a healthcare practitioner involved in, in taking the samples, um, but they, they do give uh, very accurate results, but they're not as sensitive as the, the PCR tests. Mm -hmm. Now, there, there has been some, there's actually quite a, a big debate about this at the moment, about these lateral flow, these rapid tests. Now, although, as I say, they're not as sensitive as the PCR tests, um, what they do is they, they, they are very good at picking up 
um, very high viral loads. And individuals that have a high viral load are have been shown to be uh, at a greater risk of passing on infection, so being a transmission risk. And so if we can identify these individuals by uh, uh, rolling out you know, regular mass testing, um, then we're, we could potentially be identifying um, cases uh, uh, of, of, of high viral loads that, um, that may be transmitting the, the virus that we wouldn't otherwise know of. So they also have a, uh, have a very important place. And obviously the, the quick turnaround uh, and, and the fact that it doesn't need large machines um, is, uh, is an added benefit. And so, um, so th those are sort of the, the tests to identify the virus. And then what we also then have are the tests to look at the immune system. So again, uh, we, have, um, we have tests that can identify antibodies. Um, and th there's those that, again, are based on uh, machines in hospital um, that have a, um, they have a very quick turnaround time, but they require these large machines. Uh, but we also have these, these rapid tests as well um, that just require a capillary um, blood sample, so just a, a fingerprint uh, of blood, and again, these are these are highly accurate, and they don't require these large machines, um, and and can be done in, in more remote settings. Um, so that, that, those are sort of the broad uh, categories of tests. And so within that, if, if we look at uh, quantitative antibody testing, is is that um, uh, focusing on that sort of IL six testing for the uh, where you're looking at the immune system, or where, where does that where does quantitative antibody? Yeah. Okay. So, so the, um, the our new quantitative antibody test um, is looking for uh, it, it identifies antibodies to the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2, and this spike protein is um, what, what's responsible for um, uh, attaching to specific receptors in our cells, and it's sort of the, the initial stage of, of the virus uh, infecting our cells and, and, and causing disease. So. Antibodies that are able to bind to that spike protein uh, essentially pr prevent um, infection of our cells. And so the, these antibodies are thought to be um, incredibly important um, for preventing infection. Certainly um, both, both uh, human and, um, and primate studies have shown um, that these are an important correlate of protection against COVID-19. So this test that we have, this quantitative test, actually is measuring these specific um, anti-spike antibodies and not only detects them, but detects what level they are, um, so that the quantity, and uh, although we don't have a clear picture at the moment of exactly you know, what titer of antibodies uh, is, is essential for protection from reinfection, it's clear from a number of studies that uh, the more of these antibodies you have, the greater protection that, that you will have for, from reinfection. So um, this is a really important test to, to identify whether um, we, we either have good protection following natural infection or also um, from vaccination. And the reason for that is that the current vaccines that are approved for use, um, so Moderna, Pfizer, and the Oxford uh, vaccines ha have all focused on this spike protein. So eliciting an immune response to this spike protein. And therefore we're looking at those antibodies uh, that, that these uh, vaccines have, have, have elicited. And in, in terms of the, the the testing work that you that uh, Roche is currently doing, is that something that you're looking to run in tandem with uh, vaccine trials or along, alongside vaccine trials? Yes, exactly. As I say, you know, the, the leading vaccine uh, companies are um, targeting this this um, uh, this spike protein, and we are working uh, with a number of companies uh, alongside future vaccine trials to identify um, the, the effect that these vaccines are having. Uh, in producing uh, these anti-spike antibodies. So, so yes, that's something that we're doing.
And so to, to sum up then, uh, Ashton, what do you think the pharmaceutical industry's uh, role against in, in the fight against COVID is going to look like um, for, throughout the, re the rest of this year for, for 2021? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, what I would say is um, COVID-19 is, is, is not going away. I mean, the, the pandemic continues to, to rage on around the world. Um, and whilst it does, uh, we, we're going to continue to need uh, um, diagnostic tests. Um, and, you know, these, these tests are really providing uh, light in the darkness. We, we, you know, in many cases, like I said at the beginning, if if we don't, if we can't detect who's infected, we can't then isolate those individuals and break lines of transmission. So um, these these PCR tests and these antigen tests are going to continue to be really important for identifying infection in, in different populations. And then uh, as, as the vaccines um, you know, are, are rolled out, uh, as I say, it's going to be really important to know uh, whether they've been effective. As I say, they're not always 100% effective. So it's going to be important to detect those people where the immune response has not been adequate to provide protection and, and therefore identify those who may need to have uh, booster vaccinations um, or, or may actually need to be um, isolated or, or have other treatments. So I, I think there's, a, there's certainly a, a huge role for, for diagnostics in, into 2021. And, and I think another important point is that, um, you know, th th there's the indirect impact that COVID-19 has had on, on many services. And, you know, for instance, um, you know, a very worrying example is sort of the mounting cancer backlog. Um, and there's recent estimates from Macmillan um, that across the UK, uh, you know, there's tens of thousands of missing diagnoses. Um, and so this is going to be something that uh, that diagnostic companies like Roche are going to have to work really closely with the NHS to try to to, to bridge this gap and to uh, and to effectively um, pick up on those misdiagnoses that have that have uh, been, been the result of, of this terrible pandemic. Absolutely. So it's certainly um, an awful lot for the pharma industry to do this, in this into this year or the rest of this year and in, into next, I think. But Ashton, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. Thank you very much. And that concludes episode 30 of the Pharma Forum podcast and my discussion with Dr. Ashton Harper from Roche Diagnostics about healthcare during the pandemic and the role of testing. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast, and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, where we are at Pharma Forum.